Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. But Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, the burdens, the small, it's a weight, a heaviness that bogs people down doing things like an ox that has to go in a certain direction, doesn't really want to go there, but it's controlled. The burden will be taken from your shoulder and the yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. This literally means take this thing and break it to bits till it's freedom for those who were held captive by the enemy. Now I started talking last week about the anointing and today's theme is the impartation. And uh, with the Pentecost, I'm going to talk about ways that the anointing comes to people. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are many things that, that are just there to receive the power of the Spirit of God in your life. And so, um, wow, that music did affect me now. Uh, and we spoke about the anointing on Sunday night and we spoke about the mantle of Elijah. And of course, Elisha and Elijah, 2 Kings chapter number 1, chapter number 2, where, uh, of course, these two prophets are walking and they cross the Jordan River and uh, Elisha says, I want a double portion of your anointing, speaking to Elijah, Elisha, Elijah, Elijah means God is Yodche Vavche, which is the name that is forbidden to speak uh, or to use at least idly. God is him and my God is Yodche Vavche. So therefore he is God. And that's what his name meant. And that's why he took hold of those prophets, of uh, false prophets of Baal and Asherah on the Mount Carmel, the place called Muhraka. It's the place of the burning of the fire of God on the altar. And of course, we spoke about Elisha, Elisha, uh, like they would say in normal English, Elisha, but it's really Elisha. And that means, that is like, Eli, which again refers to God, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, which is Aramaic, Jesus on the cross, the Lord Jesus. And uh, Elisha means uh, God saves. So uh, it's, it's two very important prophets. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, uh, this Elijah goes along and he says, well, you know what? I've had enough. I can't just take this away from me, Lord. Pressure is very high. And of course, God says to him, go and anoint this man called Elisha. Elisha. Uh, go, and, go and anoint him in your place. 
and he gets a double portion. That's twice as many miracles. But it makes a very important statement. He says, when you see me, if I'm taken from you, then it shall be according to your request, according to what you're asking me. So he watches him and he shouts, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and Elijah, Elijah, also known as Eliyahu, goes up into heaven. Um, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, it's a strange thing, but his job's not over. Even though God took him up into heaven, the Bible says, I'll send you the prophet Elijah before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. He's coming back for round number two. And so we'll see at the coming of the king, the last seven years of the tribulation, him coming back. But his mantle was caught by Elisha. And of course, that mantle, when he caught it, he was able to get the impartation from the cloth. And so then we went on speaking about how long does the anointing abide? In other words, stay, remain, dwell. And we spoke about the Midianites and the bones of Elisha, how that when a dead man uh, was thrown on the bones, came in contact with the bones of Elisha, that he stood on his feet. He just, life came all the way back to him. Shows you how God deems even the bones of his holy ones as important. It's just amazing. It says concerning the Messiah, uh, it says that you will not allow any of his bones to be broken. You will not allow your holy one to see corruption. So here we have the bones. How long have you got to be dead before the bones can still bring across an anointing? You know. And that kind of anointing so powerful that it could raise somebody from the dead. See? Now, with that being said, we walked out here and then Maud said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute now. We know that the anointing is in the cloth and I just quoted some verses. I'm going to get into more and then I'm going to tell you what is going to be taking place this year with Pentecost. Let us first go to Luke chapter number 5. Uh, verse 15. Just a couple of verses and some uh, touches of, of explanation, not very deep, uh, and then we'll see where we are moving as I lay the foundation for Pentecost. However, Luke 5.15, the report went out concerning him. Now here's the anointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The report. So, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. There has to be something said to stir up the people. If you don't speak up for Christ, the devil's going to take the people. Are you listening to me now? Wherever you go, that's why Jesus said, very clearly said, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in next Acts chapter number one, verse eight. And you'll be my martyreo. You'll be my witnesses. From that comes martyr. You'll suffer for my, say, my name's sake. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached from Jerusalem to Judea unto the uttermost parts of the earth, also here in South Africa and anywhere else. 
And it's what you do with this message. What you do with the story of Jesus Christ that changes life altogether. I have seen, and I've said it often, that for me, my life is nothing else but a sacrifice. I see myself as a living sacrifice, and whatever I do or more does, because we're one in the sight of the, of the Lord, we're one flesh, as God said in his word, Genesis chapter number two. He said, the, the man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his, to his wife, and these two shall be one. And so they become one. And uh, so with the two of us are living sacrifices, and I shall be that till the day the Lord takes me home. So while he has not done that, and uh, all of that, I know that God's got a plan and a purpose for any man to step into his specific uh, uh, task, mission, divine task. I think you need to get it right out of any of your thoughts that you've got no purpose. There is a great purpose when God brings the anointing on your life. And then of course, their impartations, they vary. In the book of Hebrews chapter number two, it says God also bearing witness with many signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Spirit, using a completely different word, not karishmata, but he uses the word marimnao, which means distributions of the Holy Spirit. Paul also talks about the supply of the Spirit. So it's like your fingerprint. It's like literally you're unique. If you try to be somebody else, then you're gonna be second best. If you try to be what God has called you, then you'll be the best. And uh, whatever assignment you do, if you carry it out faithfully to the end, God will indeed reward you for that. So it says, however report went out concerning him, uh, uh, and all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. I want to emphasize this word hear for a moment because that to me is important. When you hear about Jesus, of necessity there is a response because you cannot avoid the Lord Jesus Christ when you read this book. Because, you know, Jesus said, I like to say the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, instead of just Jesus. Our Lord said, you search the scriptures, and it's they that testified me. And in my studies of the Hebrew, particularly the Hebrew of the Old, Old Covenant, the Aramaic, every single letter, I find him in every letter of the Aleph Taf or the Aleph Beit, which is the Hebrew alphabet. There's something, there's a whole story about Jesus in every single letter. Just absolutely amazing. I could tell you stories about that. But now, when you think that he's on every page, in every letter, and then you get to the new covenant, now he manifests in the midst of the people. This is the Christ. And now he begins to move and he does incredible miracles and people hear about those miracles. They hear about this extraordinary man that's going around and uh, people are being healed and he has a message. Now, every year when we go to Israel, I go to 
when we do go to Israel, if we can go to Israel, go to the place of the Sermon of the Mount and I read them the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for example. Very first one of them. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. So, uh, the report went out concerning him. All the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. But it goes further than that. Luke 6, 17 says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, that's up north of Israel, we today have what you call Lebanon, Lebanon, and uh, who came to hearing and be healed of their diseases. They came from everywhere to listen to this extraordinary person like nobody else, because he didn't speak like anybody else. His word was with power. And so when you see that, you realize that Jesus is, is, if you get close to Jesus, like I quote these days, said, you will seek me, search for me and you will find me, and you will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. When you are ready to seek him maximum with everything within you, you will search for me, you will seek me, and you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. Mark 5.30 And Jesus immediately knowing within himself that virtue, King James translation, virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And I'm just going to read and come back to Mark 5. Luke 6 verse 19 And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there were virtue out of him. There went virtue out of him. Now, that word virtue is actually power, but it's also authority, strength, and literally force and capability that went out of them. Capability to do whatever was needed. Now, here behind me is a picture from the city of Magdala, where we have the story of Mary of Magdala. And um, you see the woman pressing through the crowds with the issue of blood. I took this picture when I was there. There's a church, a beautiful church. I think it's a Roman Catholic church right at next to the seashore of the Lake of Kinneret or the Lake of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, you can see literally on this incredible, it's a painting, uh, on this incredible painting, how when she touched the hem of his garment, it's always interesting what happens. We're talking about the impartation. You know, this morning I was thinking, you know, I'm always thinking. There's one thing I'm never stopping. And I was thinking that, uh, you know, the soldiers gambled for his clothes at the time of crucifixion. Now, guess who, guess who, for example, could have bought his tunic that he had on? Now, do you think, 
receiving those clothes and putting them on if you'll ever be the same after that. This woman heard about Jesus, for virtue went out of him. She heard about him, and when she heard, she sought to get to him. But she had to press through the crowds. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of people that want to get to Jesus, but they need to press through the crowds. Moreover, they have to press through anything that gets in the way that holds you back from really touching the master, the Messiah. You have to really put some effort into it to get there. Now, we came out of the church on Sunday night and Mort came out, she comes out with these brilliant things. She's forever in the word of God. I see her every day sitting at her table where she studies and she's got a Bible over open and she's typing and she's making notes. And uh, it's incredible to be married to a woman of God like that, to see your wife sitting there in the word and you're in the word and there's peace. See, and uh, she said, wait a minute now, wait a minute. We are heading towards Pentecost, right? Pentecost from the last Sunday to the first Sunday Last Sunday this month, first Sunday next month, it's a week. And um, we're heading there, and now with all this COVID stuff running around, uh, you're, we are being monitored, make no mistake, that we don't transgress the regulations of the government. And so, therefore, how do I lay hands on the people? See? And I thought to myself, well, what do we do? Because... I am, like you'd say in the Afrikaans language, ex capable and never amelie hanop. But then Mort said, okay, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. Um, what we simply need to do is we need to find cotton like that which the priests wore, cotton, in the temple, and Jesus had the same tunic on, but his tunic was without no hem. In other words, there were no seams on it. It was woven in one piece. Why did they do that with the priests? Because um, perspiration and the smell of perspiration gets into exactly that, where you have a hymn. And so you can smell the perspiration uh, after wearing a piece of clothing, you smell it. So it had to be one piece. Now the Messiah wore one of those one piece outfits, tunics. And that's the very little he had on this earth, yet he owned everything. Now, what, what is amazing that, um, then Mort said, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Let us cut square cloths and, um, huh? have I got one in my Bible? You think so? Tiens. We cut spare cloths. So Maud went out and she bought rolls of cloths. 
And the ladies began cutting up these cloths into these little squares. Beautiful. They done it. Well, now the next thing is that that cloth has to be very anointed. This one's not prayed over yet, but it has to be very anointed. I would ask the people, keep this inside your Bible. That's where the word is. And then I got very excited about that. And I thought, well, people are coming here with great expectation. Jens, get ready with that uh, testimony. Get ready with, with, with uh, you know, think about it. And come up here wherever here, and just organize him a microphone. And um, I decided the week prior to Pentecost, I am going to go into separation only with these cloths. I pray a week to get the anointing into these cloths. James, tell me. Uh, when I heard about this, I obviously really testify with it. And if any of you ever experienced uh, the power of prayer on a cloth, anybody? Can I see? Yes, few of you. I was reminded of a situation and I shared it with Pastor Harold and it really touches me very deep. And there's actually more of these, but this specific one impacted my life till this very day. And what happened is in about 1991, one of Corinth's uh, aunts were sick to the point of death. She was in Discovery Hospital on the top floor, and the family had already come to say goodbye. It was really, really her last. And I remember that Sunday, the family asked, please, we believe, according to Acts 19, that when the uh, prayer cloths uh, that have really been prayed over, like we know Pastor Harold will do, when they laid upon the sick, they'll recover. Now, to be very honest with you, I was a very young Christian just in ministry, and um, I took this uh, handkerchief that the family had brought, and I gave it to Pastor Harold to pray, and I will never in my life forget that moment, because Pastor Harold prayed over it very intensely, and he had it like this in both his hands, and uh, after he had prayed, he did something. He took it in his right hand and he laid it like this, but forcefully on my left hand, this hand, just like this. And as he did it, people, the power of God hit me. I fell backward with that thing clutched in my hand like this. I could not even open my hand. My hand was burning, really, God knows, burning, tingling, and since that day, every time I pray for the sick, you will often see I lay my left hand on people when I pray because I don't, I'm not so superstitious or whatever, but my left hand still gets that tingling every time I pray for the sick. sick. This is since 1991. All these years, it has never, ever left my hands. I'm standing here now. There's a huge anointing on this platform, isn't it, Pastor Harold? And I will tell you this, I laid it on that hand, or on that lady the next day. 
the morning early I went to Discovery Hospital, laid it on her. And God is my witness, here sits my wife. When I got there, she was so near to death. Uh, Dr. Dennis, what do you call it, James Stokes? That last, yeah. She was already like, <sighs> it was the end, people. I laid it on her, and quite honestly, I said the words, God, now it's up to you. I turned around, it was all I did, and I walked out. When I reached my car, which from the top story to my car is about maybe two, three, four minutes, she sat up in bed, she asked for food, and she lived many years after that. I wanna tell you, don't take it lightly. Pastor Harold is going to make serious effort with this. When you receive that, receive it by faith, and then pray how you should apply it, because God surely will do a miracle this year during this Pentecost. Thank you, Maud. Thank you, tell, Pastor tell Harold. Him, tell him that one with the socks. Oh, well, this, this, is a, this is a humorous one, but, but a wonderful story. Then I just continued to talk. There was a woman that had two sons. The one son was as wayward. He, she had no hope for him. He never even returned home. Occasionally would just pop in and get something and maybe even steal something and go out again. But she had a younger son that she was so worried about. And this is during the time of the factory there uh, in Factoria where we were. And uh, ooh, it was cold in the winters. But anyway, that I remember one evening a woman came with a pair of socks. And she said, Pastor Harold, I so want you to pray over these socks because I want my younger son not to walk in the footsteps of his older brother. So I'm gonna put these socks in his drawer and when he puts it on, I put my faith in uh, agreement with yours that this, <laughs> that this uh, young boy will be saved. So she went home, received the socks, went home, put it in the socks drawer of her son. It wasn't long after that, guess what happened? The older boy came home, sneaked in, and he got hold of a pair of socks, and he put it on, and he went out to Joel. He never got that far because the Holy Spirit started getting hold of him. He drove around a whole night looking for a pastor to give his life to the Lord, found the pastor, gave his life to the Lord, turned his life around, and the young boy followed in the footsteps of his older brother as a Christian. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. Acts 19, 10 and 11 tells you these words. It says, God worked special miracles through the hands of the apostle Paul, that even when the aprons, the handkerchiefs that were on his body were laid upon the sick, the demons departed and they were healed. Go read there. Acts number 19, verse 11. And you'll see 10, 11, that section there. God walked, worked extraordinary miracles through the hands of the apostle. But it was simply handkerchiefs or apron. And so having said that, I thought to myself, well, number one is, Mort came out with the idea and I thought, you got it. You got it. I can't get to everybody, but God can get to everybody. So I knew I had to separate, and Maud got the wheel rolling to make these. Well, let me tell you something. Freely we've received, freely we give. 
and you won't pay for it. Unfortunately, we don't follow in the tracks of some people that just try to make money out of anything. You don't pay for that. All you do is you take it. And when you take it, you put it inside your Bible. And if you have any form of illness or sickness or whatever attack, you take it out of your Bible, put it on yourself, or when whoever gets sick, you put it on that person, put your hand on top of it, and set a prayer of agreement in Jesus Christ's name. And that's all you have to do. It's as simple as that. And then from there, you put it back in your Bible. And so you preserve it. Because how long does the anointing stay in the cloth? How long does the anointing stay in the bones of a dead prophet like Elisha? How long does God stay in that very place where he was there? Now, impartation of the Holy Spirit is, it, it opens up a new total spectrum of visionary perception. People don't understand these things, but I can just tell you that I have seen in my life, not once, not twice. I think I told you, I did tell you, about our prayer room up in Lynn David, we had a soundproof prayer room, and uh, I would go in there and pray, lying on the floor, and then walk around in circles like we do on Saturday morning to the prayer meetings. Lie around in, and walk around in circles, go lie down, pray four hours every morning. And um, so people would come in there, and I had a little baby blanket, a yellow baby blanket. It disappeared. Somebody zipped my blanket. And uh, they would come in there and take the blanket and wrap themselves up and get healed. Now, I'd just spend four hours on that blanket. See, freely you've been, you, you've received, freely you must give. You see, by grace you've been, um, Ephesians 2, 9. By grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a free gift of God. So you, what do you do? You give it to the people and say, go. Because either ourselves, or maybe there's somebody that's lost, and you want to put that inside their pillow. And they put their head on that, they dream about the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? And so for me, there's a job that lies ahead, a week of, of separation, but that's okay. I do that. And for me, it's no big, big, big effort, because I'm all the time with God. And uh, so... What I say is that I believe the anointing, the anointing is abiding. And you know what the Bible, in fact, book of First John says the anointing abides in you. Having once been touched, Pastor Tienz came here now and he gave the testimony and said, when that, when he took hold of that, I've seen people stand there like paralyzed when they take that cloth. So I have to, for that whole week, make sure that I get to those cloths as they cut up and make sure that everybody gets their share. And during the Feast of Pentecost, we'll be giving them out to the people so that everybody can get them. Now, um, again, Matthew 14, 34. My time is really up. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And uh, when the men of that place recognized him, they already saw him. They already heard about him. They recognized him. They sent out into all the surrounding region. Listen, listen. Jesus of Nazareth is here. 
and they brought him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Here's a very beautiful, keep it here for tonight as well, beautiful illustration where the, this here are sandals with the feet of the Lord Jesus and, uh, and uh, this of course a little bit edited in the sense that it's, oh yeah, on the right hand you do see the walking stick. On the right hand side, you see a walking stick. He holds a walking stick and you see the feet and then you see this woman, you see people and in the midst of the people, like on her knees, she comes through. She literally makes a tunnel through the people like that on her knees, crawling towards him and touches. One time. So the soldiers were gambling for his, for his tunic. The soldier that put on that tunic will never be the same. The same. He's most probably in heaven now. Definitely didn't go to hell. Because it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. See? Where God said to Elijah, now go now and anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. Now, Elisha was spending time in the presence of Elijah. Now, Elijah was not the friendliest man that you can get. He was a dangerous man to hang around with. And uh, he spent time, poured water on his hands, and all of that he just remained faithful and faithfully focused on, on his master. In this case, it was Elijah, the prophet, still Old Testament. And uh, we walked those areas there at uh, where Elijah was. There's a cave where they stayed. And uh, Elijah and Elisha both stayed in that cave on Mount Carmel, not far from there is Muhlaka, the place of the fire, where the fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. He restored the altar, 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel, but more than that, the number of the perfect sacrifice, according to the divine will of God. That means if you take the number 10, that's the law, 12, that is divine government now. He restores divine government. God answers with fire. He's the God that answers with fire. So as for you today, I feel so sorry for many people who are weak because of the flesh and who love the world more than what they love God. If they only knew I, I'm, I'm telling you, I sometimes think if they only knew, I wish I could put a little memory stick in here and just download and just give it to the people. They would know what I'm talking about. If they only knew, they'd serve God flat out, full out, 100%. Well, I'm not going to go on because great multitudes follow him, followed him and they were healed there. So the first thing that you must do is you've got to follow Jesus. You've got to make sure about that. Just bow your head, everybody. Say these words after me. According to the Bible, I confess with my mouth, raise your hands to the Lord God. I confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in my heart that God the Father 
raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore I am saved. I thank you, Lord, for washing me in your blood, saving me, writing my name in the book of life. Please keep my name always in the book of life. I repent of all sin. I commit my life as a living sacrifice. I belong to Jesus. Your will in my life and with my life be done. In Jesus' name, now fill me with the Holy Spirit and power in the name of Jesus. Let's stand, give the Lord a praise. I forget body right now. Amen. How many of you enjoyed Hercules Smith this morning? Shall we say Hercules or Hercules? I'm just thinking of the Hebrew of that name. It's just very interesting that it also tells a story about him that I'm sure he doesn't even know. But as for you, do serve the Lord constantly. Don't give up. I've long time been there and I wouldn't look back any other way. This road is straight and narrow, but wide is the road that leads down to hell. And narrow and straight is the way that takes you into heaven. Don't compromise. Can you say amen? amen. Well, God bless you. I'll see the people, I suppose, on the internet tonight. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.